one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome to Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Tamar. I'm Matt Unlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we have Kat Solon on the podcast. She is a director of so many amazing things. She has a new special out on Peacock. It's called Chris Fleming Hell. It is coming out August 18th, 2023. It's like a bonkers, crazy special. Like we're talking about Bo Burnham and we're talking about Dimitri Martin. We're talking about all these comedy specials that we just like love because they're so different and have such a unique personality, but are still very much of the comedian. And this comedian, Chris Fleming, um, if you're not aware of him, has a it's a really interesting point of view, really interesting visual aesthetic. And Kat made this pretty insane comedy special. So you should check that out. But she's also directed uh, a show for Adult Swim called The Shivering Truth. Mm-hmm. And she's directed episodes of Yo Gabba Gabba. She did a show with Michelle Obama for Netflix. Uh, she's done it all. She's made music videos for uh, MTV, Bright Eyes, a lot of stop motion stuff, a lot of animation. A lot of live action. A lot of puppetry as well. Kind of all over the place, really. She's right now kind of at that A level of stop motion animation. Like she's working with the people from Leica, right? Who are they the mm-hmm. ones that made Coraline and mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like the the big stop motion house, basically. She's done so many things. We talk about art. I think I found like one of the most interesting things about her is that she thinks via drawing Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. she's having conversations with people she just starts sketching and that's her favorite way of communicating and i mean obviously i don't know about you but i was so jealous yeah for me it's like oh wow another face looking straight at the camera yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, all you can draw yeah right exactly it's just like okay like you see some shoulders (laughs) um this time or maybe even a button button or two on the shirt yeah no boy what a treat this this episode was you know in talking to her i was reminded of being around the the type of person that thinks visually or is kind of like a just a little more freewheeling with the way that they approach their art and their filmmaking and sure that's tactically that means like oh maybe she draws instead or, or 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 you know their their process is different but like there's an attitude to a certain type of filmmaker where there's a little bit more anything goes or you can throw puppets into a, a stand-up comedy special or animation, just a freewheeling sort of openness that um, I found really inspiring and reinvigorating as a little behind the scenes 
whenever we get pitched a guest, Orin and I will kind of email each other back and forth and be like, oh, do we have a take on this person? Or, you know, uh, have we heard this story before? Or, oh, you know, we haven't had a horror film director on in, in, you know, a few episodes or whatever. Like we kind of chat back and forth about whether or not we should, you know, talk to this person if we can bring something to the table. Uh, and I think this is the first time I just said yes without consulting with you in the slightest bit. I like have been a fan of Cat for a really long time. And so it was like such a treat to get to talk to her and i was like well if i don't get to have cat solon on this podcast then why am i making one i will quit if if you have a problem with it Oren, and you were totally fine with it of course yeah my only problem with having cat solon on the podcast was that it led to you not quitting yeah <laughs> yeah uh my apologies everyone who um was wants my slot yeah yeah they, they just want solo or episodes if you want to campaign for solo or in episodes, what I suggest you do is check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. It's a place you can go give us a dollar, two dollars, four dollars, seven dollars, nine dollars, or twenty-six dollars, and it will go straight to our editor, Noah, and some server fees, some other things. You know, we pay for things. No, we really do appreciate it. It does help us. It is the the blood that flows through the heart of this podcast mm -hmm. is Patreon. So we appreciate it. Patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. Anyway, without further delay, let's hop into our conversation. Kat Solon. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, hey, so we're here with Kat Solon, and um, we hear you hate commercials. What's, uh, <laughs> what's the deal with that? 
I, before I do want to uh, we'll, get real quick, Kat, can you just give us uh, maybe your your description of the style of work that you do just to paint, paint the picture for everyone? Um, yes. Let's see. Um, what I say to people that I do is I tend to do a lot of practical effects. Um, I do a lot of uh, live action and stop motion. I really let the the tone and the subject matter tell me like exactly what style of filmmaking it's going the thing is going to be and what kind of effects I'm going to do or use mm-hmm. or what mm-hmm. kind of te- technique I'm going to use and I'm sure every director would say that I I feel like I kind of push it to the nth degree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so your your stop motion <laughs> can be like a little more tactile a little more grotesque a little more surreal right you know like your human faces are exaggerated there's like a cartooning element to it all of that stuff so yeah specifically with shivering truth that Mm -hmm. is the case yes that that tv show um in that show that is definitely the case and that's the adult swim show yes yeah so i feel like adult swim give stop like motion animation yeah 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 mixed like media gets you pretty it. close yeah 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 exactly um yeah and, and that you were additional crew on don john i see uh, uh joseph gordon levitt and i uh go way back and he asked me to do the behind the scenes on that movie oh, so wow. i shot all their behind the scenes oh that's cool. and i also did i helped them with a little part that has some like time lapse pixelation in it but you so you make crazy stuff you crazy stuff yes uh and also also you have have, uh walked away from commercials why no commercials what's what's, what was the thinking behind that well i had um i had gone down to only doing them if i was single bid which Mm -hmm. we all we know that (laughs) dream yeah yeah i was sick of i'm the same way i'm i also kind of stepped away from music videos and um I also was already single bit on music videos um, for a while, but commercials, the amount of effort and work that I was putting in to treatments mm-hmm. and I, I could not sustain. I couldn't keep working for free like that. I couldn't keep going mm-hmm. on multiple calls all the time about it and not having the job come yeah. through at the last minute. And then also, unless it's like a really amazing concept it lives in the zeitgeist for like a week if you're Mm -hmm. lucky Mm -hmm. and i really want to make things that live forever Mm -hmm. that's the main reason i make anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the main reason i think everybody makes things is they want to make things that live past their lives so i i just i really found that i was wasting my time and i couldn't and I've been spending that time instead, like doing fine art and mm-hmm. writing feature scripts and doing what I actually want to be doing. I am I it's not the, the best timing with the strike, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Um, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm sustaining it. But I've been doing this for a really long time. So I guess yeah. that's also the case. I I've been I'm very used to the highs and lows of having money and not having money. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, music to our ears, certainly. I think also, you know, listeners at home, do yourself a favor. Just like hop on to, you know, Instagram, like just Google Cat Solon real quick and you can tell immediately how obvious your reel must be. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. 
yeah, you can pitch and you can like put together you mean a your commercial of, reel. Yeah, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is that the style is so distinct that like a creative director should be able to know whether that's what they want or not. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, look, Oren and I do a lot of like, you know, uh, Oren's a little more VFX driven, but like a lot of dialogue comedy mm-hmm. spots. So like, I get why. You can look at a reel with a bunch of medium shots of people making jokes and then cutting to reaction and you're not sure who you want to pick. Right. But yeah. like the more distinct a reel becomes, the clearer it should the easier the choice should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a lot of friends in the ad agency world and I've had this conversation with a lot of them. And I'm, I'm really bold about that kind of stuff, like at dinner parties. And um, I they've said like creative directors who have said to me. Cat, we wish it was that way too. Mm-hmm. It's just so instilled in our industry that we have to show three options mm-hmm. every time, especially for the big stuff. Mm-hmm. And if we don't show those three options, our client won't work with us. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just like, yeah, but you know, you know who you're gonna, you know who it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Right. You like, know, you're wasting let, two people's time for sure. Let the two you know people it. who. You, who you know it's not going to be let them know like yeah like, or so like that, literally bid cat solon and two people that are in film school to- right now <laughs> you yeah, know or, sure. yeah totally that opposite. just need the practice to talk to yeah. agency people yeah that'd be amazing <laughs> but there's those companies yeah the unilevers and procter and gambles and all these companies who their corporate policy is they have to see at least three bids but today i, I was talking to someone about it who's like trying to fight that system and not do that um, and I was saying like the reason those rules exist is because they want to make sure they're getting the best deal possible. Right. It's like a money thing. But like, then why do you need three treatments? Right. Like mm-hmm. yeah. there's this other director, Alex Prager. Do you know her? Yeah. I She's do. got like such such a unique visual style, too. Yeah. And obviously there's like the Wes Anderson's of the world. Like I'm yes. sure he's never triple bidding. You know, I think if you are do have kind of such a distinct style. It makes sense to just say, hey, we need a cat Solon for this. Can she do it? <laughs> you know, but I think it's also what you're saying about money. It's I there. I've lost so many jobs to people who've just underbid me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do. They want me, but mm-hmm. they'll do it for one dollar less. Mm-hmm. And I I bet you there are so many people out there who are fine with ripping off Wes Anderson and Alex Prager, you know, yeah. for a lower price. And I don't want to be negative. I mean, everybody's got to do what they got to do. But like, I, you know, it, it's tough. It's that's it's really tough. And then also, yeah, you're working for these companies that are. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be. too. Yeah, no, but I, I just did a couple jobs in a row where they're like, hey, we love Oren. He's our favorite of the bidders. But this other company said they can do it for fifty thousand dollars less. Mm-hmm. So if you can match this price, which is below the budget we told you we had originally, then yeah. it's it's your job. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and, that, and, you know, I'm not really that involved in that process. But then I get the job. I'm like, okay, can we get the steady cam and the jib and the this and the that? And they're like, no, we don't have any money. It's a, that two-day shoot is now a one-day shoot. I'm like, what are you talking about? Wasn't the budget X? And they're like, oh, no, it's X minus 50. I'm like, how did the budget go down like we had to in order to get the job? Yeah. And it's like. Yeah, really? they're, they're, yeah, they're ruining yeah. lives. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, I find it to be really criminal and I can't, 
I just can't keep doing it. But I also, you know, who knows? Maybe someday I'll do another commercial. I, I don't know. So instead of commercials, you're doing like TV, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. TV stuff. I'm, I'm writing features um, that I want to make and I am developing other ones with writers. And I've been working on some fine art stuff like sculptures and paintings and things. <laughs> I guess on that note, like I'm curious, um, you know, just watching like the trailer for The Shivering Truth, which is totally insane and just all your other stuff, like how much I'm curious what your process is. So The Shivering Truth mm-hmm. is a stop motion show. It's very, has like a lot of crazy visuals. Um, right? Like who is coming up with those visuals and who's <laughs> making the dolls? Yeah. Like how involved in that are you? Is it like? Yeah, um, I am it, it deeply involved from from the very beginning until the very, very end. Um, I tend, I so the show was created by Vernon Chapman, who um, created uh, Wonder Shows in. Uh, he created Xavier Renegade Angel. He's written on um, uh, South Park for a long time. He's he's brilliant. Boy, Wonder and Shows in, boy, what a show! Yeah, I know. I, I it's one. It's still one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I don't mean to derail us, no. but I could talk about Wonder Shows in forever. Sorry, as you as you work at no, but sure. you can you can feel him in everything he does in a way that I really admire and respect, mm-hmm. and I. I, uh, I, I love anyway, but he, um, so he, he and I have been good friends for almost 20 years and, um, we kind of developed this show shivering truth over a seven year period where either he was living in New York. Most of the time I was living in LA most of the time, but we both had times when we were either in New York or LA in the same place. And we would get together and just sit and talk about what we wanted to make. And that talking always involved me sitting there drawing what he was talking about. Uh, I think by drawing, I, I explain everything by drawing. I, I feel like it's the closest way for me to show people what's inside my head. And, and I don't know how, what I, ever since you were a child, like, did you study fine art or like how, um, yeah, I mean, I always drew as my parents used to just give me a pencil to like have me calm down or like to occupy my time. Like I they would hand me a pencil and I would sit and draw and I would stay up really late at night watching um, Nick at Night and drawing all night long um, well into my late high school years. Um, I just it's always been the most therapeutic thing for me and also the thing that is uh the most um uh, showing just be the thing that i feel like i have the most control over mm-hmm. um yeah and i i i really love it and uh so a lot of times um w- that we so we would get together and we would do that and then finally uh just one random day after us talking for 7 years vernon sent me a script and said hey i have 6 of these um read it let me know what you think i think this is a show we should make and I read it and I was like, I felt like he had given me a child. Like I, I have no desire to be a mother, but I was like, you've given me the greatest gift I could ever have. Like this has been our thing that has been in our collective consciousness 
for seven years and now here it is. And and what I love about how Vernon writes is he's um, a, a very intellectual surrealist at heart and he writes things that emotionally make complete sense but visually sound absolutely impossible and that is the my that's all I want is to be Mm -hmm. given a script that sounds impossible to make and have to figure I have to figure out how to make it visually and I told him he should write on the front of his scripts like go ahead and fucking try it's my (laughs) favorite thing so so i like and was this connected at all to any of the drawings you had done oh yeah yeah it was all stuff we had talked about all of it was stuff we had talked about and um so we picked one and we we he had a really good relationship with adult swim uh he had made a bunch of shows there and and, Mm -hmm. and you know he had been working as a writer for a very long time already. And um, we, he went and sold it. He just went to do adult. Cause I had already been working for adult swim doing their, um, mm-hmm. their commercials, like for them, they do their own in-house commercials. I had been doing those for a while. And so they knew who I was. And he said, I want to do this show with cat. And they said, okay, here's money for a pilot. Go for it. And we didn't have to pitch it. We didn't have to do anything. We just started working. And, and when uh, he yeah. says with Kat, is it like you're the director and he's like the showrunner? So it's te- our credits are co-director. Um, we are we talk all the time when we're in production. However, he's usually in New York and I'm usually mm-hmm. at the at the stage. I'm usually working at at on the show at the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I'm texting him 20 times a day. We do a an hour and a half to three hour phone call every morning. We are very deeply connected, but I have the experience in stop motion. Mm-hmm. I draw, I do. So, so the way that we do it is we start, we just, we, we get together either in New York or LA and we walk around the city all day long, literally for 20 hours or something. And, sit at different places coffee shops parks bars restaurants everywhere we can and we talk through every single tiny part of it and i thumbnail the whole entire show and this is you already have a script that's in screenplay format yeah and you are talking you're going in order from the beginning to the end mm -hmm. every line of dialogue in a different location uh yeah on uh, zagat's Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like only only five star, only very advisor. Yeah, just very like, fancy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we, I actually have to carry my iPad and my sketchbook because <laughs> my iPad runs out of batteries, and I have mm-hmm. to s- switch to my sketchbook. And then I get tired of the sketchbook, and I have to go back to the iPad when it charges. And so, I, and then I have to compile it all. Um, later, but he knows the scripts so well that they're just in his head. Like he rarely has to even acknowledge, like look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. And do you use uh, Procreate? What do you draw with? I yeah, do. Do you draw? Uh, yeah, yeah, I use I use Procreate on the iPad. I use Procreate on the right. Cintiq, which is right right next to me. I use um the just Photoshop. Cool. I just got <laughs> yeah. an iPad Pro. Kind I love of recently. it. Yeah, and I'm just it's... just want to draw on like on frames like give notes draw mm-hmm. boards you know and 
It's uh, yeah. It's you really know, cool. um, media res and frame IO both have functions where you can draw on mm -hmm. the edit. That oh, cool. that I love doing that. <laughs> so it knows that you have an iPad. You can draw on the edit no. with a mouse too. Actually, yeah. You can you can yeah. just do it in. Oh. I've never done like proper drawing of any sort, but you can like circle a thing and be like, this right. is the yeah. thing I dislike or, or yeah. love or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, boom, um, Mike. It's yeah, great for yeah, VFX. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect for that. Um, I, I'm curious and, and we're already into it, but like this, I'm curious about the, the, the way just a typical day works for you, Kat. Like when you're not wandering the streets of New York brainstorming, like because your work is so tactile and mixed media, you've got puppets, you've got animation, you know, you said you're working on fine arts projects as well. Like uh, in what ways are you getting your hands dirty and in what ways are you working with different department heads or craftspeople to bring your vision to life? Talk, walk us through just how you how you collaborate and what you literally physically do versus what you collaborate on so so you're so when i'm in production you mean specifically? Yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah uh so like it depends on if it's live action or stop motion but for shivering in stop motion um it it also depends on what part of the mm -hmm. show we're at but uh like when you guys we, are building things first and then animating them and then yeah i mean when we did the pilot it very much was linear in that way it was storyboarding, cutting and designing the animatic, uh, then, you know, building the sets and puppets and then <laughs> shooting and then editing. Uh, well, editing also sort of while you're shooting, but like you do with live action. But, um, but it is when we do the season, it's tiered. So everything kind of starts at once. Like mm -hmm. we start with all the puppet. And also because we already did the pilot, there's a lot of, um, uh, my I'm very proud of season two of Shivering because I was able to uh, work with my team to come up with a very functional modular system for the puppets because we have a new puppet in every scene. So like we have sometimes 150 puppets per episode. Sometimes mm -hmm. when you sometimes, say 150 puppets, you mean like 150 different characters? characters. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then in stop motion okay okay wait so <laughs> i yeah, feel yeah. like i'm getting too deep uh, unpack it. no 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 you, you, yeah. no no for sure give us give us the whole thing Kat. yeah because in stop yeah. motion you have to make multiples of all the characters and all the sets uh because you're shooting multiples at once but i um okay so on sh if we're in the thick of shivering season two um i i wake up at like seven do my call with vernon then i rode my bike to the studio uh is in portland oregon um the best place to do stop motion um no offense to los angeles like they're incredible studios here um it's just that uh for in good and bad ways like uh um uh made it so that portland is the the mecca of stop motion this, this part, um yeah. yeah so all of the best um all of the the best fabricators are drawn to Portland. Um, mm -hmm. but, but there are incredible fabricators in Los Angeles too. Um, and I wish I could do some jobs here too, but I I've done all of my big stop motion things in Portland anyway. So I ride my bike to set or walk to set. And then, uh, we start, uh, the day with a big board meeting, uh, which is, mm -hmm. um, you have 
we run 15 stages at once when we're in the thick of a season. Um, and so that's 15 individual sets all at once. So we have a giant grid of all those 15 stages. Can, can I ask every... a, a truly naive question about that, actually? Yeah. How yeah. big is a stage when you're shooting in stop motion? Like, like an airplane this... hangar. Like huge. Oh, you mean each individual set? Yeah, each individual. Well, so okay. each individual <laughs> set, I've, you know, you go to a museum or you watch a behind the scenes yeah. video, you can tell they're like a few feet by a few feet. But so uh, it, are you in an airplane hangar with 15 different sets running basically all at once? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yes. It's not like That's, you're in like, yes. you don't rent an office building and like every single cubicle is, is a set or no. something like that. Yeah, yeah no, but, you need... I mean, you need a proper stage. And that I think that is a common misconception with animation, especially with stop motion, is that it's so it's some it's crafty. It's it's mm -hmm. it's cute. It's something you can just do in, alone in your house. That's what the you know, sure. people like to pay you as if you're doing that. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, but no. Yeah, it takes up just as much space. And it's 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 each stage the smallest stages are like five feet by five feet the biggest stages can go up to 15 feet by 15 mm -hmm. feet 20 feet by 20 like depends on what it is and and also the size of the production overall and how much money you have but the um i love that i can be so uh, yeah we so, can get like, we can get deeper <laughs> yeah. yeah well, well because the, the other point right is like to, to your point about like oh you know it feels it's fun to romanticize the idea of it being scrappy but like the physics of light doesn't change right like yeah. you still need to like have the space to to light things properly and yes your set is small but that's still you, st you still have to move so lights around in order to make it look the way you need it to look right yeah, we use tiny light nowadays we use tiny lights when I started we were using big tungsten lights now we have all kinds of amazing itty bitty lights that itty are bitty lights oh that's cool they're that's so awesome. small like so you can't even like see the actual device that the light is is coming is, from oh but, that's really fascinating so is it yeah. are they interesting how I, are there are there complications just in terms of like sculpting the light like like are they yeah. really directional or like do you have little so, flags and things to, yeah to do? we do we have tiny i actually have oh, they're in another room but they, we have like little itty bitty finger like little finger flags like teeny tiny flags they uh you know a lot so, of the so Kat, DPs that is, will that build is their cute. own that isn't helping your your point <laughs> <laughs> It's big and tough. I promise you, it's very serious. Yeah, yeah. We, but it does shoot, scale, shoot, right? Like if yeah. you got like a light that's like the the size of this light behind me, like a thirty six inch big round yeah. light, it's like having like the sun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or maybe not yes. the sun, yeah. but like a yeah. ten foot wide light, like yeah, a yeah. like a twelve by right, like for a yeah. human. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then you, I was gonna, yeah, yeah, and you also um have to make the set so you have an animator who is standing at your set for 12 hours a day mm -hmm. and and they are doing tiny movements over and over and over again um and that can injure you so easily so you have to build the set so that the movement of the animator is considered as much as possible so that they don't get hurt um and then also it just it makes it so that sometimes you have to cut the set in half and shoot half of it and mm -hmm. then 
plate the other half or you have to um uh have it so that there's a walk-in thing that you like that you can walk into and then walk out like step into step out of and then plate the front of it like you really have to work with the animator to design the space and a lot of times it's really great to work with there are production designers and and art directors who have animated and that's <laughs> really incredible because they get it you know like sometimes they just don't get it and they don't have a lot of sympathy for it you mm -hmm. know because they haven't done it um and but that also takes that also takes up space and that that tells you where all your lights have to go because you don't want your animator having to step over a light every time or they'll trip it and they'll mess up the whole shot and you have to mm -hmm. reshoot it you know <laughs> and I, I imagine nowadays everything is on some sort of motion control rig so that you can plate things much easier than back in the day. Yes, except that because you're using the tiny lights, a lot of times you're also doing very long exposures. So you have uh, to you have to you have to consider how long your plates are going to take. Your plates can take like for example, the I I made the logo for Monkey Paw for the their opening sequence logo and when we shot that um shoot shooting it took um 48 hours and then we had to also shoot the plate which took 48 hours 48 so hours. it was it was like wait what's like, the what's the plate versus the um the clean a clean plate so you can remove all the rigging just like in any, oh, oh, any right, kind right. of post effects but right, it's but because the exposure was so long it just has to take that long wild yeah wild and there were parts of that where i had to we had to literally pull half the set off so that the animator could get in there mm -hmm. um yeah and so then you have to reshoot it with the other part in there and it's it is it it's the funnest puzzle game <laughs> that you could ever do with the most high stakes funnest puzzle game <laughs> yeah that is wild that nope. I got it and so then in terms of just a regular production day then are you getting rushes then thereafter are you yeah. checking in with an animator mid shot yeah. ever like whoa, how does mm -hmm. that work so well on shivering um films when you do stop motion film you have money to do some of the shots a couple times if you absolutely have to mm -hmm. um Leica likes to really do a lot of takes uh mm -hmm. just for fun because they have mm -hmm. a lot of money um i I on shivering have no money to do any extra takes whatsoever. Everything we're using is the first take. So um, I have video taps on, in my office. I have a video tap to every single camera mm -hmm. and I can watch. Um, I try to schedule it. So I make sure I'm there for crucial moments to watch what, where the direction the animator is going with the move mm -hmm. or with the acting or with any gag or anything. Um, and mm -hmm. literally because I've animated things myself, I'm not as good at it as they are, but because I've done it, I can see like, Oh, they're going a direction. I, they, we need, they should not be going that direction. And it's like the tiniest thing. It's you of course have like blocking conversations ahead of time. You have um, video taps, you create um, video reference that they follow a lot of times, but you know, it, it's, they're working 24 frames per second. So every single little choice could change everything. So mm -hmm. I will see a thing going like a few frames off the mark and I'll rush in and be like, Hey, um, I just noticed that you're going over. this. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, get out of here. This is yeah, my yeah. state. No, I, I would, I'll be like, oh, I noticed that, um, like, we need a character to take a credit card out of their wallet right here, and he hasn't start re- started reaching for it yet. You might need to start that sooner. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's dial back a couple frames. Um, oh, interesting. And and my, but but also, I've been very lucky to have the the best animators in the world working on this show. Um, and they rarely really mess up. So, but it is like you have to be on it. You have to be watching every single second. But it's weird and, to me that you would yeah. call it like messing up because is it is it not subjective to some degree, or is it by the time it they're is. animating, it's like you've recorded yourself acting it out, and like everyone knows exactly what's supposed to happen. For the most part, it is. But like, well, with shivering, it there's so many little jokes and little gags and little things that if they're not extremely clear and and I and my animatics are extremely detailed and extremely clear but also if it's not above and be it, the most if it's if the gag doesn't land it'll it could snowball many other jokes in the future so it's like it has to it has to land in the right way and also I'm I'm talking to Vernon you know mm-hmm. who has a very specific idea of how it's going to land and I have to do what I know he wants to. And it is, and they, you're right. They are not messing it up. Like it is subjective and it, and honestly, if it were just my show, it, it, it could also, I'm a little more lenient sometimes. So for me, it's like, um, and maybe to a fault sometimes I'll like, let it go. And then I'll be like, Oh shoot, I should have asked them to, I really, that thing meant a lot to me and now I don't have it, you know, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> with this, yeah. with this, I, I have to make sure I get it. Like, and yeah. I, and, but also they're all really understanding and most of them have, I've worked with forever. So, you know, they've known me since I was 20 directing bright eyes videos and animating them all myself. So I'm curious about, uh, just real quick about kind of the nuts and bolts of like budgeting this type of thing. I mean, I know what you said about like a lot of people expecting it to not cost a lot because they see people on TikTok doing it in their kitchen. But mm-hmm. um, like, I mean, to me, it just sounds absurdly expensive, you know, it is like having these big stages, big sets, mm-hmm. my, like armies of people putting mm-hmm. grass blades into terrain or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, building four different versions of this monkey paw, like, um, how yeah. how do you even start how do you even start <laughs> figuring out how much it it's going to cost and is there ever like a like well if we did it like Coraline level it's going to cost this much but if we do it South Park level mm-hmm. it's going to cost this much like how do you even start thinking about that the cost yeah so um so yeah I do I do literally say oh it'll be more like this than this like and and also this that's down to the, like the actual visual style and the amount of production value in the like design of the style, but then also in the quality of the animation, I fluctuate a lot. So like we always, we almost always shoot on twos, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, 12 frames per second. Um, And that's, that helps the price a lot. Um, But then also there are all flag scenes where I'm like, I tell the animator, I try to give every single animator a special scene that they can really milk and really do what they think is their best work ever. And 
I then the other scenes, I'm like, it's okay if it's a little robot chicken. Even though I love robot mm-hmm. chicken, mm-hmm. I don't want shivering to be all robot chicken, you right. know, like style. Right. So I there are scenes where we use the comedy kind of um, more blocky style animation to our advantage. And then there are scenes where we try to make it more like an actual film. I help with the budgeting I, I as much as I can. I, I'm very blunt with my producers about what we are going to be able to actually do for the money we have. Um, it's a tough breakdown. And that's why like making the puppets modular was so helpful on season two. Like it season one, our puppets, they went over like way overboard because they, because that's what the script was asking for. Right. Right. Have a and when you say that the, the puppets are modular, it, you're uh, to oversimplify you're talking like okay like like lego minifigs it's like okay we have a bunch of bodies and a bunch of heads and they all play together and you can swap them is that what you're saying or again oversimplification but uh, is that close or no that's the case for the like extras like the mm-hmm. background puppets that's what we do um we swap heads and we swap hair and we swap and they don't have mechs the non-mech puppets the mm-hmm. the ones that that don't have faces that can move um, the ones that have faces that can, well, then we have another tier that's just above that, that is sort of like a featured extra where they can open and close their mouths and mm-hmm. maybe blink if they have to. And under five. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, and then we have. And when like, you say open and close their mouths, is it, are you changing physical mouths or their mouth literally? They have. So, in, so, so I guess what I'm getting at is like, if they have. They're silicone puppets with a um, with a uh, plastic like core head uh, inside, and the the core, the skull, is where all the mechs are, the mechanisms that operate mm-hmm. the eyes. Um, and then there are some mechs built into the silicone for certain facial expressions and and um, and mouth movement. But then there's also that core, the skeleton core, has like a jaw flap. It has it holds the eyes, the the eyelids rest into like built go into the skeleton core. What we did on season one was every single puppet had a different core and a different sculpt of different sil- silicone sculpt. Uh and that is so expensive. That's like that's like twenty thousand dollars per puppet. What we did on season two is we had four main face shapes that we built every sculpt off of. And then we had, I think, one solid core. I think it was only one core except for kids or animals. And um and we had to, we made it so that every puppet could fit within that thing. That so core. that we could yeah. assen- essentially assembly line it even though we only had like a couple people in the department. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh yeah. But it I wish I could um I'm trying to I probably have like I could show you it visually like I have probably have pieces of puppets around here. What's <laughs> fascinating to me about it is that like, you know, it's a different problem, but it it is that part of directing that they don't show in the behind the scenes videos. We're, we're really talking yeah. about like almost a producing problem, a logistics problem of like, OK, how do I make my how do I improve my art or get my vision closer to what I'm aiming for through really practical basic applications this is a this is a problem that you track in a spreadsheet 
right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like there's no, yeah. the sketchbook is helpful, but like, really we're talking about math here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I have incredible know. production ma- managers and coordinators who are experts at that. Like yeah. that is what, like a, a couple of them, that's literally what they've been doing since they were 19 years old and, yeah. and that, and they are geniuses. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. How did you get started? Where did you gain this experience? Was it incremental that you were working up to working with this type of crew? Walk us through that a little bit. Give us the backstory. Yeah. So um, I went to art school uh, at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. They really teach you much more um, about how to think like an artist than how to actually make art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very art school. Yeah. Right. yeah. I and then but they what they do give you is all the materials you could ever need to make whatever you want. So they, you know, you have all these critiques and and things where you figure out what you're going to make and then you just go make it. Um they don't really teach you how to make a film mm-hmm. or how to make a sculpture or how to make a painting. So you have to if you want to make a film, which all I ever wanted to do was direct movies live action movies with actors specifically like the witches um by nicholas rogue with uh puppets by jim henson that was one of my biggest influences ever i was like okay i need to make a film i don't have actors um i don't i don't can't afford locations i can't afford costume whatever i but i did I was like, I can like, shoot it. Box of clay. <laughs> for real, for real. I can shoot it myself. Mm-hmm. I can light it myself. I can build puppets. I can animate it myself. So I started by doing stop motion. And because it was what I could do on my own, in my house, by myself, in my closet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I started doing it that way. And, um, and, because it, it was the only way I had at the time to tell stories, really. And so, and I would, you know, like, work all summer long. I was I was just there all the time at school making making things, using the, using the free equipment mm-hmm. to make whatever I wanted. So I, instead of making one film at the end of my four years, I had made one film every semester. And I came out of college with a reel. And I had already, my 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 actually junior thesis project was my first music video for bright eyes Mm -hmm. um and i was 20 and so that kind of um, is that the at the bottom of everything video that is no it was bowl of oranges was the first one and then the second one was at the bottom of everything and that one had more live action in it sure uh yeah bowl of oranges had a puppet and then like um pixelation humans pixelated uh had puppets and humans. Um, yeah. And then, but so, so yeah, so that video I made at school using school equipment over the summer. Um, but then the other, the other bright eyes video, which was the second video I made, I made actually, I had already graduated college and I had moved to Portland, um, because I had found a lot of like, awesome people there that I really like. I ended up working at a a production company there that did commercials called Bent Image Lab. And they, I was working in their art department, fabricating little tiny props and things. And they let me use their equipment, their, their cameras at night. And they gave me my own stage and I shot all the stop motion for the second video at that at night. And then I was working during the day 
and and I would <laughs> yeah. yeah and also I think just to like set the stage right like bright eyes at that time was like you know an indie darling do you know what i mean like for those uh, younger listeners at home maybe who were in school or just fresh out of school you know obviously the music video game has changed pretty significantly um since we you were making those videos but how bright eyes was your your uh, college project how did that come to be like bowl of oranges is a college oh, yeah. product. So, so like, okay. and and yeah. how did, how did it change your career as well? So like, how'd you get it, yeah. and what happened afterwards? Yeah, um, I I totally forgot to tell you that part. I yeah. appreciate no, you that's asking. okay. No, yeah. Um, so um, one of the very first people I ever met at art school, um, literally standing in line with my parents to check in for the dorms, um, was this uh, girl named Jiha Lee, and Jiha um had grown up um in Omaha, in Nebraska. And um, she and I became really good friends. There was another guy there uh, at school named David Lewis, who was um, booking like small shows all mm-hmm. over the place. And both her and David had said to me on totally separate from each other, you need to work with Connor Oberst. You should, they introduced me to his music. I didn't know who he was. And they said, you should make a a film with him and I at the time was like I didn't think I had a career in commercial filmmaking at all I didn't even think that was even something I would ever be allowed to do I was from Arizona I grew up in Tucson I had no idea that I could even ever do anything that would be even though I had dreams of 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 making movies I you know, didn't see that as see a clear path at all. So it, I had sort of resigned myself a little bit to, oh, I'll be an experimental film. I'll just be Stan Breckage. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. not realizing that I think Stan Breckage like apparently had a lot of family money and like lived with his parents. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, I don't know, I don't like, know if there's a career in like baking film in your oven. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't know. I was like, I'll just do that. But so when I yeah. when she was like, oh, you and Connor should work together. And David, um, I was like, well, yeah, okay. How about we do something where I work on the music as much as he works on the image as a totally experimental process. And he and I would get together and talk about that whenever he was in town. And then... I went to Berlin to study for like eight months. And while I was gone, Connor got famous. And then I came back and I, one of the first things I did was he was playing in town. So I rode my bike to the show and I, and I, um, walk in and he's like, cat, where the fuck have you been? I have an album coming out. I need a video. It's going to be my first video. I don't want anyone else to make it. Will you make it? I was like, Oh, music, music video. I guess I can make a music video. Sure, I'll I'll do it. And um they gave me fifteen hundred dollars. And um I that's how I made the first video. And then and that's bowl of oranges? That's bowl of oranges, yeah. Yeah. Um and that one was made entirely at school. Yeah, okay, so using... you're saying you can make a pretty good music video for fifteen hundred dollars. No, please no. It's taken me twenty it's taken me no 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 no. It's taken me twenty years. Yeah, but it literally took me twenty years to get over that reputation of being able to make a oh, fifteen hundred dollars. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. They're like, Cat, this looks like it's a lot of like uh I don't know, how much is construction paper and twine? Right. Cat's like, cheap. Cat's yeah. cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does it all herself. We've right. got seventeen fifty for this one. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> You'll um, be rolling in the dough. In a totally not uh, good segue um, to your live action work, because I know I, I want to sure. give you yeah, a publicist please. some. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, something, that is something that's really hard is coming from animation, convincing mm-hmm. people that you also do live action. Is still I still get called an animator every day, and I yeah. I can animate, but I'm not that good at it. I I'm not a good animator <laughs> anyway. Right, but so now you you have a live action special that's like almost all live action, right? Or it's all it? live action. It is even the yeah even the parts that are visual effects are it's all live action. Yeah. Right, and it's um on Peacock. Can you tell us a little bit about Hell? Yeah, um, it is uh, called Chris Fleming's Hell or Chris Fleming colon Hell. Um, it is, I think, in some ways a, a stand up special. And then I've been calling it more of a comedy variety special. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, I'm really, really proud of it. And uh, Chris is a, a, a dream like I have not had a collaborator I am more connected with since Vernon uh than Chris like Chris is incredible um did you know him before the special my friend Katie Delaney who is an excellent writer um she introduced me to Chris's work and I followed him on Twitter and um he had he's primarily me at stand-up yes yeah primarily stand-up um but then We had been following each other on social media for a while, and I was working on Waffles and Mochi on Netflix. um, With a little lady named Michelle Obama. Yeah, (laughs) Um, with Michelle Obama. So uh, I was working on Waffles and Mochi, and we needed to cast a boy band uh, that was like a BTS-style boy band, Mm -hmm. a cheesy boy band. Yeah, Yeah, for the the cheese episode. Mm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Waffles and Mochi is, um, for those of you that don't have children, um, is a show uh, starring Michelle Obama um, that is about, um, it. Hel- it's, I call it like Anthony Bourdain, but for kids with puppets. And it's about teaching kids about food so that they, you know, some of the best episodes I think are the ones that are about um, food that they think are, they, they find scary and showing them that 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 food is not scary it's it's exciting i thought of chris for as one of the boy band uh members and um because i knew he could dance and i knew he could sing and i knew he had he's got a look that's kind of like the opposite of a boy band i tried really hard to go the route of like how would peewee cast this how would pete (laughs) Pete and pete cast this you know like with adult clear adults playing like teenagers you know yeah I ca- it was him uh demi adigi ebay and aturo castro as the boy band and um and chris and i just really hit it off and then almost like six months seven months later he texted me out of the blue and said do you want to direct my special and i said of course i do uh and so yeah that's how it happened <laughs> that's awesome what how how great (laughs) was it because he saw you working on set and was like oh i love her point of view or was it because he was kind of familiar with your body of work and was Mm -hmm. like oh this could be i mean i'm at i think directing a comedy special i think you were maybe joking about it a little bit before we started recording (laughs) that it you know it there is like an easy way yeah, yeah there is it but um you know i feel like you 
Bo Burnham does his thing and you're like, oh no, now the bar, the bar is raised, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. even before Bo Burnham, like, um, well, who's I, the I, guy? I, I mean, you could argue, like, I think everyone's trying to stand out. Like, there's not a single special, uh, stand-up who's like, oh yeah, it's okay if they all kind of look like everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, especially, especially now, I think they're looking to create something striking visually as well mm-hmm. you know what i mean but i feel like there's like the jared carmichael one and the aziz ansari one where you're like they went for something but it, at the end of the day it's just them on a stage like sure. talking you know sure. <laughs> with the yeah. spotlight like yeah it's not as bizarre like even um who's the guy that did like the real like like played piano and drawings oh um, dimitri martin yeah dimitri yeah. martin yeah. i kind of yeah. feel like he kind of was the first mm-hmm. like one of the, the earlier people to kind of take it in like a new sketchy direction. Um, but yeah, both yeah. the Bo Burnham one is just like so insane. And the fact that he made it by himself is even, yeah, you know, crazier. Well, and I would say what you're telling, what you're saying with every single one of these examples is exactly the case with Chris. It's that it has to come from the, mm-hmm. the comic. Mm-hmm. It has to come from who they are inherently as a comic. And Chris is, uh, already, like on his own, like Bo, similar to Bo, makes his own uh, videos all the time. His own little sketches that he puts on little. I mean, I, I I'm not using little in a sure, condescending sure. way. Um, he he makes very funny videos on his own that go on his Instagram and Twitter and just blow up. And he is special in that way. I think, in a way, when he said to me, like do you want to direct my special? I kind of knew already, oh, this is not going to be just a stand-up special, which I've directed mm-hmm. before. I, I've done stand-up specials. I knew it would be something that was like a combination of things or have an overall very spe- spe- specific to him, like concept and tone that is similar to the script with Vernon that is a go ahead and fucking try. And I was like, this is for me. I'm excited to dive in and like I do with all writers that I want to work with, I it's always my number one goal to make what is in their head mm-hmm. um exist on screen and and so with him because he does a lot of it himself some, most of the time I was like he's going to have so much to bring to this and so much to say and I'm going to be able to like I do with Vernon on Shivering ask him like what color shoes is that character wearing? And he's mm-hmm. going to be like, oh. And have an answer immediately. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or, or yeah. like, or be like, oh, like, oh, that makes me think of this. And what if we add a joke oh, here because sure, of sure, that? Sure. And, da, da, da. and, you know, like, yeah, like really, but also, or just have an answer and no. And, um, and that is, that's how I like to work, you know, like is, is like, let's dive into the minutia of this. Let's make this like as, as much what you're picturing in your brain as we possibly can, you know? It seems as though, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but that the special is a true merge as a combination of your two different aesthetics together, right? Would would you agree or yeah. no? Like like how do you bring your the, yeah. the cat's soul and special sauce to to someone as distinct as as Chris, for instance? So, well, I would say that you know this was definitely a goal for Chris and I, you know, and all and uh, the two big TV things I've worked well waffles emoji is very big but different but like shivering and and chris is special i both of those things 
we kind of kept small on purpose a little bit like you chris's style of making everything by himself usually we really wanted to keep that feeling we didn't want it to be the most polished perfect like we didn't want it to look Slick. like oh look chris is yeah. now a multimillionaire and he can do whatever mm -hmm. he wants we wanted to really capture chris's essence and 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 in that those challenges that you have when you have like a, a slightly lower budget than you would hope not that that's a bad it's not always a bad thing um unless people aren't being paid properly uh, uh but you know when when people are being paid properly and you still have like a somewhat low budget you have to you you really like um i feel like you bring more of your own personal style to it by proxy mm -hmm. and i think chris is very smart for picking me knowing that our styles would work well together um but you know when i have like you know like a bigger on a bigger show it's easier for me it's easy for me to um like match some other kind of style that isn't mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. what i do but i also he really wanted me to yeah bring out what i do and also we have such a kindred thing that um it it was inherent to him as well but we still talked through every little thing like the mm -hmm. first time i ever drew one of the characters that we call the teater bover um I, you know, I drew it probably about 10 times before we picked one that we liked, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So and are, are you, are, is it similar to, you know, you, thumbnails and walking through New York? Is there like a similar sort of journey to it? Are you seated next to each other? Are you traveling? Talk us through that part. Uh, for this, it was more, you know, Chris was actually um, touring, uh, getting ready for the special. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't around very much. So I really uh was just texting all the time. We were texting mm -hmm. all the time and I I draw storyboard. I I even my live action stuff, especially if it has like practical effects or visual gags, I still storyboard that too. On a union show, I thumbnail it and then I hand it to a storyboard artist who makes it better. I like I said draw everything to explain myself. Mm -hmm. Um so even just even for me just to shot list it or just to figure out where we're going to shoot. Mm -hmm. To I conceptualize was, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. If I've learned anything from doing this for 20 years, it's how to be flexible and how to not let one small thing ruin your whole show, you know, like, and how to make things work even when they aren't what you thought, the, how it would come out. So it doesn't always... You know, it's not always perfect. Sometimes things come to set and I'm like, oh, shoot, I should have said this instead. Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. I messed. I didn't give them the right directive in the beginning. Why wasn't I picturing it that way? Uh, but that's sort of, you know, it's sort of part of it. In a way. It sort of, I think, adds character like in the sure. long run. <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> so I tell myself at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, awesome. Well, Kat, thanks so much for telling, for talking to us, for teaching us sure. about everything about life sure yeah the universe can i can, i want to say one more thing about Please. you know the special for chris and yes. just related to his we really wanted to make a special that felt in his words not cool he didn't want to try to be cool in mm -hmm. any way that's the first thing he first thing he said to me was like, i hired you for one reason 
<laughs> yeah, you are not cool. And I love it. Um, we wanted it to feel truly authentic and tactile. We literally want the audience to feel like they're there watching the show or that they're in Chris's head or that they're on stage with Chris. Um, they're with him in his in his own like feelings of what it's like to be a performer and to grapple with simultaneously the quote unquote hell of, of, of performance being the thing you love more than anything, but also being a performer, meaning that you have to get up practically, you know, in your head naked in front of thousands of people all the time. And tell them everything about you in a way that is so scary and so intense. And it's, I just want to make sure I get, you know, that, that feeling across, you know, and the, the, and it really creates this kind of, I'm, I'm really proud of the special overall because it creates this like surrealist stream of consciousness thing that I think truly helps you get to know the comic Chris more than other than, than a conventional special where, they're on stage and you're watching them from 30 feet away and it's um they're all bright and shiny and you know perfect you know under a spotlight or whatever yeah 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 we or, tried really hard to really make it feel like you're there with them check it out it's on peacock well cat before we endorse uh where can people uh keep track of all the cool projects that you've got going on honestly mostly my instagram um i I love Instagram. It's a little Can bit Can I of a tell you about problem. Instagram, Kat? <laughs> You've talked so much in this interview about how you dry your thoughts and dry and you communicate with everyone on drawing. Oh, I went on your Instagram and there are uh, some amazing images you have from, uh, from your adult swim show, from The Shivering Truth. But like, put more drawings on there. We want to see. Oren Oren is on a real like behind the scenes jag. It, and, and truly <laughs> though, I have seen, we've been doing this show for a long time. I see when he posts a really good like breakdown of like, oh, this is how I got this shot That's or so like cool. it, it. They're very good and it gets him work. I want to do more of those. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I do have a whole quadruple, s- even quintuple bid opportunities. Oh, hey, I do <laughs> yeah. have a whole story highlight of Shivering Truth behind the I scenes. I did. I did watch. I did <laughs> okay. flip through okay. that. It's very, very cool. But I want to see your drawings. I want to see like Thank your you. thought process. Um, I do need to do that more. I really appreciate that. When I see like seven different wigs you made for dolls, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do that. <laughs> but when I see when I see you draw, I'm like, oh. I could see how this drawing led to this thing. Like I'm now I'm inspired, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I appreciate it. C-A-T-S-O-L-E-N is your Instagram account. Yeah. Well, Kat, do you have a minute or two more to endorse with us? Oh yeah, that. Yes. Oh, the unpaid endorsements. Okay. So I've got two. One that's very LA specific, unfortunately. So if you're not in Los Angeles, apologies. Have either of you been to uh, Benny Boy? It's a new brewery uh, and cider house in like Boyle Heights, I guess, is maybe the neighborhood. I have not been, but I have heard of it for a specific reason that you might bring up. Oh, well, we'll, we'll see. Maybe not. Do you like cider? My, my reason is that their cider is great. Oh, oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I do not drink conventional beer, so I do drink cider. Oh, um, good. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, yeah. 
Los Angeles doesn't have any cider houses or cideries. Yeah. I don't know what you're supposed to say. It's uh, bigger on the East Coast because they have lots of apples. So I think Benny Boy is the only place that brews their own cider in greater Los Angeles. They're great. I was going to say the the pro or con, depending on what side of the fence you're on. No children are allowed at Benny Boy unless they're like in a stroller. So like uh, that's cool if you don't have kids and it's a bummer if you do have kids. <laughs> Yeah. But I get it. If you've ever gone to Golden Road, which is another popular East Side brewery, it is sworn. It's basically a Chuck E. Cheese, um, but the adults are slightly, slightly more drunk than a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I get why you maybe don't want that vibe. Anyway, so Benny Boy, uh, if you're an Angelino, this conversation reminded me, Kat, you mentioned Pete and Pete as as a touch point. Yeah. Do you remember the early Pete and Pete films, which are on YouTube, are basically just like kind of like short video essays before they got mm -hmm. the tv show they basically had like promo length little bumpers it's obviously pre 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 tiktok but it's like a really cool frankly kind of low budget touch point of like world building and storytelling with this fun weird cast so and they're on, on youtube they're on youtube yeah you can you can see all the old uh pete and pete shorts very easily either in a playlist or i think maybe somebody put them together as a compilation and whenever i'm like feeling uh, uninspired and need to do really short form content. That's a thing that I revisit all the time. That's really awesome. I didn't know they were on YouTube. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you you got the next five minutes spoken for, Cat. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank goodness. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cat, <laughs> um, uh, what you got? Okay, I got two. Also, one is I'm really good friends with this musician named Mary Lattimore. She's a brilliant harpist. I have a lot of good friends that impress the hell out of me with the things they do. But not everybody like blows my mind. Like not everybody. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? And her music is that way. And I just love it. And it's so cinematic and gorgeous. And um, I often actually hand paint her tour posters for fun. <laughs> um, Wait, what's her name again? Mary Lattimore, M-A-R-Y-L-A-T-T-I-M-O-R-E. She has a new album coming out October 6th called Goodbye Hotel Arcata. And I highly recommend it. But all of her albums are good. The other thing that's a more cerebral thing, uh, it's kind of connected to Los Angeles, but also just uh, making things with your hands. Um, long time ago, I somehow ended up on the phone with one of my favorite filmmakers, who's Mike Jitlove, who made the wizard of speed and time um which is also on youtube and i highly recommend it. it's a movie that made me want to make movies as a child i ended up on the phone with him because he was selling some equipment that i wanted and he had listed his personal phone number on his website and i called it and we ended up talking for two hours and something that he told me knowing that i was in animation and doing making small things with my hands this is right around the same time as making that first bright eyes video he said make sure every now and then during the day, throughout the day, to step outside and to focus your eyes on the furthest possible thing that you can. And then as you're looking at that, bring your focus back to yourself by looking at different things that are closer and then back out and just make sure you do that so you don't, you know, your eyes don't go bad uh, too soon. And so I've always done that. And that also relates to, I really love the stairway walks in Los Angeles and the Hidden Staircase book and taking long walks in Los Angeles. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Like, uh, 
Yeah, just getting a little air, right? Which I imagine mm-hmm. in particular with like animation is a thing where like like any any task where it's like repetitive and inside yeah. I can just get lost in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just or like VFX, all of that stuff. You're just kind of like you, there's a flow state to it, which is beautiful and kind of what you're yeah. chasing. Uh, but then you're like, oh wait, uh, it's been two days. Oh no. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you so, look up and you can't yeah. see anything anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Those are really those are really good. That was kind of expertly done. Unpaid endorsement. Kaplan, what you got? Yeah, they're so bad. Hit us with that belly flop, buddy. That I'm going to do four of them. <laughs> uh, I just finished Barry season four. It's pretty good. Um, it's like if you, I don't know, I, I feel like a lot of people fell off of that show. Um, I did. I, I loved it so much. And then it just made me too sad in the middle. And I was like, I can't anymore. Yeah, it's like the comedy. It, it's still, fu- you know, like funny in a way, but the final season, just like every episode, like when you think something is going to happen, just the exact opposite happens just every single time. And it's just like a masterclass in plot mechanics and setups and payoffs. Um, character. George like, Saunders would appreciate that. That's yeah. Appealing. So yeah, I really I enjoyed it. You know, Bill Hader directed every single episode um, of the last season and yeah. It's like it has that thing that Game of Thrones, I feel like, did so expertly where something happens and you're like holding your breath and then it says directed by Bill Hader, you know, um, and it, you're like, oh, God, OK, I'll watch the next episode. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, I know every show has cliffhangers, Breaking Bad, like all these Sopranos, like all these shows did a good job of it. But like, I feel like Game of Thrones is like it was like depressing. It was like hit you in the face when you saw the director credit because you were like so engaged, you know? Yeah. And it's like someone like chopping in a giant cube of ice in half. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> just like um, viscerally annoying. Um, other thing I realized, I read this on Reddit the other day and I was like, and it, someone was like, you should clean out your dryer ducts, you know, the, the air duct for your oh, laundry. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. In between your house and the, the outside, you mean? Yeah. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then yeah. today I walked by the dryer. It was just fully clogged. And I asked my wife, I'm like, is the dryer like not been working recently? She's like, yeah, <laughs> there's something. I'm like, oh. So clean out your dryer ducts. Uh, Matt had endorsed these like Raka Raka videos. I went down like a long wormhole. And uh, I, the, I think the order of this episode comes out might not make sense for this endorsement. But if you, ch- if you just go to YouTube and type Raka Raka interviews and see these two twin filmmakers be interviewed on any show. They, they, they're kind of known for these insane stunts they do. And every time they go on like a good morning America or something, they just start fighting with each other and throwing each other over couches and slamming each other into the it. tables. And no one knows what to do with them. <laughs> Everyone is like the cameraman. Everyone's like, uh, should like, we stop this? What's this happening? There's acts of uh, violence happening. That's just great. I cannot so wait. Funny. I love it. Uh, I want to watch that. And then my last one is I read this, you know, stupid thing on Instagram. It's like 30 things I now know at 30 that I wish I told myself at 20 or whatever. So one of these dumb lists, but one of the things was normalized daytime naps. And I know a lot of people are like talking about this a lot, but if you, instead of it's like, oh, I'm so tired. I just need to take a nap. Um, you think of it more as like, hey, I can like get, two days worth of energy in one day, like just re-energize real quick in the 20 minute nap. I have kind of been doing it a little bit. Don't tell I anyone. Love naps. But, uh, I love naps. Mm. It's like, I do feel like 
if it's kind of the perfect 20 minute nap and I like kind of cover my eyes with something, then I'm like, do you do the espresso thing? Do you like, like the, I think we talked about it. I endorsed that. Yeah. Yeah. Like a couple episodes ago. And it just depends. I, I usually, I'm very weird. I have like a second cup of coffee at 3 PM every day. So it just depends when the nap. Yeah. Post lunch coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. Anyhow, those are my four random ones. Well, thanks again, Kat, for coming. Congrats on all your shows, all your success, all your awesome things that are going on. We can't wait to see what's next for you. Everyone to check out Chris Fleming Hell on Peacock. And if you want us to forward anything on to Kat, email us. We're justshootitpod at gmail.com. We're on uh, Instagram and threads now at justshootitpod. Uh, I am at ocaplin on those same things. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Thanks, Noah. And produced by Tyler Small. And you're listening to music by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.